Hello and welcome to another episode of TOTS. I'm your host, Ben Gardner. Today on the show, we have Carlos Soto. He is the founder and CEO of Nosotros Tequila. Carlos, welcome to the show. Hey, Ben. Thank you so much for having me, man. Absolutely. I've been wanting to have you on for a little while now. I think you have probably one of the coolest entrepreneur stories that I've ever heard. So <laughs> why don't you start by uh, telling me a little bit about yourself and how you came to the United States? Totally, man. Uh, no, appreciate appreciate the, the kind words. It's, it's honestly been a, a wild journey. Um, but yeah, I'll start, I'll start right over there. So I'm, I'm originally from Costa Rica. I was born and raised over there. Uh, I lived there till I was uh, 18. And then I, I got a scholarship to come to, uh, to school here in the U.S. Um, I went to Loyola Marymount University here in uh, L.A. Um, and um, honestly, it was, it was an interesting experience at first, just kind of going into the U.S., obviously a lot of culture shock and, and understanding different, a different culture altogether. Uh, one of the main things, um, you know, was also the the whole drinking environment and the the, the different um, selections that you find here in, in California versus in Costa Rica. Costa Rica is more of a rum country, um, and here it was super interesting just seeing how tequila was, you know, a, a very a very well known thing at least here in California. Um, ever since I, I, I came to the U.S. and and during my senior year. I was taking a class that focused a lot on on pitching brand, um, pitching business ideas, pitching brand ideas. Um, and our, our teacher actually told us, uh, hey, guys, for the next assignment, just completely forget uh, about technology for a second. Come up with something that has absolutely nothing to do with with technology um, and and get back get back on, on Monday with an idea. And a little bit of the reason there was everyone was, you know, grabbing their phones and being like, hey, I want to do the Uber of this, the, the, the Uber of that. Uh, this is middle 2015. And I was like, hey, okay, guys, come on. There's a lot more industries out there. Uh, right. So that was on a Friday. Um, <laughs> I went out and bought a tequila drink with, with a couple of friends. Uh, and for the first time ever, I kind of paid attention to like what was happening in the industry, you know, like people kind of going in and doing different calls and trying tequila on the rocks or just sipping on it or shooting it or making margaritas or whatever. Um, so I looked into the industry and, you know, saw that it had been growing, that it was, a that it had an appellation of origin. That means that it, it can only be produced in the town of tequila in Mexico. Um, so I pitched the idea of creating a, a brand, um, of tequila that would basically focus on a few things. One of them being a sustainable brand, a little bit of the, the whole marketing idea, a little, make it a little bit more experiential. You know, but back uh, in 2015, a lot of the big name brands were very legacy brands. They seemed like old brands, nothing that would target to our, to our uh, basically our age demographic and, and just people that are uh, kind of interested in a little bit more of the craft and, and spirit world, right? Um, so I ended up pitching the idea. Uh, a couple of weeks went by and I kept on thinking and kept on thinking about this idea. And I eventually just got to the point where I was like, okay, I need to figure out whether or not this, this actually works. So I grabbed my savings and I, I booked a one-way ticket to go to Mexico. Uh, spent uh, almost a month over there learning about the, the industry behind tequila, meeting people, the, the chemistry that goes into the whole process of tequila, understanding the different regions and how that affects um, basically the taste profiles and everything. And uh, I was able to meet this amazing family and, and, you know, came back with a few different samples of tequila um, that we had made during the time over there. Um, did some tastings with some friends and um, to not bore you with the story, by the time I was about to, to graduate, uh, we had a, a basically a, a brand name, a sample design of what we were going to do. It came down to, to, to two things. 
Um, one, figuring out uh, my visa. Obviously, I'm not American. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to get a, a apply for a visa and kind of get that paperwork uh, going. And then second part, funding. Uh, I ended up just going to Bank of America and taking a personal loan. And, and you know, the most they would give me at the time was $18,000. And that was enough to, to just get the ball rolling. Right. Um, and, uh, and that's basically how, how Nosotro started. Um, at that point, um, Mike, my, uh, my founding partner had come on board and, you know, it was the two of us, he was finishing school. I was out of school, basically just doing this as a, as a passion project type of thing. And it was, it was just us kind of working on it and developing, uh, in January of 2017 was when we sold our first bottle. And uh, to be completely honest, man, the, the first four or five months just absolutely sucked. It was really? absolutely <laughs> miserable. Um, yeah, you know, we were, we were young kids kind of going out there and, and, and trying to convince people we had a, a good product. Uh, but the worst part was that we weren't even able to get people to try it. Like that was the, you know, the, the, the tough part. It wasn't that they did, weren't liking the product. It was just that they weren't giving us the time of the day. Um, and there was a lot of like learning um, that went on with that. Um, but right before we basically, I was getting ready to head back to Costa Rica at the time. And, you know, we had, uh, I would think it was like $2,000 left in the bank account. Um, and we received a message from our importer uh, that was telling us about the San Francisco World Spirit Competition and how it's so reputable. And then, you know, within all the competitions, it actually carries weight. Uh, and it's actually worth it, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so at the time I was like, okay, let's, let's see where this goes. And I ended up um, submitting uh, our Blanco, which is the only SKU that we had at the time. Um, and we sent it out there and, you know, it's a blind tasting, which is awesome. Uh, and we ended up uh, winning the competition altogether. You know, we, we got wow. double gold, which, which is when all the, all the judges decided that you're a gold product. Um, we took the best tequila to show out of all categories, including age expressions and everything. Uh, coming on top of Herradura, Siete Leguas, like some some very big players in the industry. Um, and I just grabbed that and like literally started sending it out to to uh, all the people that we were trying to meet with. Uh, and suddenly people started responding and, you know, I was like, okay, let's see what you guys got. You've been bugging me enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, after that, we were able to secure a few, a few tastings. And then we had a few inbound, uh, actually requests for the product, which was awesome. Uh, we were able to land, uh, our first retail partner, which was total one and more, uh, then Bevmo. Then, you know, we started growing. We, we started working with, uh, Bristol farms, Lacey Acres, Gelson's, uh, now we're working Albertson's Bonds pavilions, uh, here in California. And, you know, fast forward to today and, and in the last month, We've launched uh, Illinois and, and and actually today we're officially launching in, in Nevada, Las Vegas. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's been a wild journey. We have a team of 10, all great, fantastic people that, uh, you know, good, very, very young, both by age and, and mentality. Um, we're, we're a small and nimble team. And, and I think that's been a, a huge benefit to, to our category. And uh, we also launched a, a personal product that was the Mezcal. Uh, we launched the Mezcal not too long nice. ago, about two months ago. You're repping um, the brand there really nicely with that hat. I <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it, man. So yeah, that's, I think that's that's a bit of a, the, the nutshell story of, of how Nosotros came to be. Yeah, so from, from my experience in being an entrepreneur and from what you're telling me about your story, talk to me about 
the dichotomy between, you know, you sell your first bottle. It's been this huge struggle. You would take out a personal loan. You know, this is a risky thing for you to do. It's, it's always risky starting a business, but especially this business and being in the alcohol industry, you sell your first bottle. I'm sure you're elated. And then four and five months go by and you can't get anybody to try it. What kept you going during that time, knowing like, if I fail, I'm gone. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, <laughs> I think you put it pretty well. Um, at the end of the day, it's a lot of that last sentence you mentioned, you know, if I fail, I'm gone type of thing. And, and, um, I think having no plan B whatsoever was a huge part of it. Uh, just because it's, it's the little, you know, Hey, like if this doesn't work out, I'm basically just starting from zero. And, 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 and I was fine with that. You know, I, I was, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm, I'm from a country like Costa Rica. That it's, it's, it's relatively stable. It's relatively safe compared to the, the rest of our neighbors in Latin America. Um, at, at the end of the day, if things didn't work out, I wasn't going back to a war torn country or something of that nature. Right. Right. Uh, which gave me a little bit of, of, of reassurance, but at the same time, I also wanted to stay in the U S and I was fully committed to the, uh, to the idea of creating this brand. And, uh, you know, Mike, Mike, my partner and, and I always, uh, joke that if, if we would have known how hard it actually is to get into this industry, we probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> so it's one of <laughs> right. those things where, where, where ignorance was truly bliss um, but I think, I think just having that, that no plan B scenario was a, was a huge push for it. Um, also yeah. serendipity, I have to say also serendipity was, was a big part of, of why we kept going because every time, you know, I think you have a lot of lows and a lot of hits and a lot of things that happen along the way, but every once in a while you get a tiny little victory or tiny little something that kind of pushes you in that direction. Yep. Um, and then you're like, okay, like this, this might work. This might, we might actually be doing something positive here. Right. Yeah. That's huge. And you talk a lot about not having that plan B and you know, any financial manager, uh, your parents, your grandparents, they'll tell you like, that's not a good move. That's not like the smart thing to do. But I think it's also like to use kind of, I, I guess, kind of a crass example. That's like getting a prenup on your marriage. Like a lot of people see that as like, okay, yeah, it's going to work out. But like, if it doesn't, I'm going to be okay. And I think when you go into a situation sometimes like that, not to judge people who get prenups, yeah. but when you go into a situation, you're saying it might fail. And if it fails though, like, like I'm going to be okay. You're not actually risking anything. And when you're not risking anything, you don't have that grit in you that like this has to work. So I think that to me, like that's a huge part of probably what made your brand is like, like you could probably come out with a tequila called no plan B. Like this was your, <laughs> this is your plan A, B, C, you know, all the way down to F. So, you know, you came here from Costa Rica, what inspired you to come here and, and how did you eventually get that scholarship? Yeah. Yeah. And right before going into, into your question, I'm just yeah. going to have one thing and, and, and there, uh, you know, I think obviously everyone has different, profiles of risk tolerance and what they deem is, is appropriate and 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 it's fine man like one thing that i've 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 uh, i kind of dislike about the whole entrepreneurship uh uh term and how that how it's grown recently is that for some reason now it's like we're living in this world where 
everyone, everyone is trying to like, you know, become an entrepreneur and like become a this, this and that. And like, you know, you have, and not to criticize what they do, but you have like people like Gary Vaynerchuk or you have people like Grant Cardone, which are like, they have really solid messages, but they, there's a lot of people that become obsessed with it. And it's like when they fail or when they can't do it, they become super frustrated. And at the end of the day, you know, the way I do my risk managing is going to be very different than the way you do it or the way someone else does it. Right. And, um, and I think in, in that sense, um, you just got to do whatever works for you. Right. It's, it's, it, you can't, you can't gauge everyone with the same, with the same ruler, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. so I was just going to throw that in there. Uh, and no, at the end I like of the day, that. you know, I like that because, you know, we, we see these people like Gary and like Grant and you're like, I want to be like that. I want to have what they have. I want to have that following. I want to be that famous. I want people to look up to me. Uh, but something that I find, especially with Gary, uh, not as much with Grant, but definitely with Gary is they tell you like, there's no promise that you're going to be successful. You can follow every single thing that they do to a T, but it might not work for some random reason. And I think if you're a true entrepreneur, I'm going to make a very, very clarifying and specific statement. So nobody hate me, but if you're a true entrepreneur, first of all, risk is risk is part of the game. And I think second failure drives you forward and if you take one failure and you let that define yourself i don't really think that you're an entrepreneur you have to be learning from that and use that to adapt in the future and if you know it's a one and done and then you're just like oh i'm gonna you know do whatever for the rest of my life then how can you call yourself an entrepreneur failure is part of the game totally you know and you see people like elon musk for example that he's been through plenty of failures before actually getting to the point in his life where where he's at right now right Exactly. Uh, but bottom line, I think I think on on that argument, and uh, the, the the most important message I kind of wanted to drive with that was, I think self awareness comes in into this type of thing, and it's realizing where your capabilities are, where your your you know your strengths are, and kind of capitalizing on those, um, and also just understanding what makes you happy. Like there's people that I've seen plenty of people that are like doing this, and they're doing it successfully, but they they hate it they hate the day to day. And, and, and it's, it's, that's not the point of what we're doing. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, you get one shot at this, at this whole thing that we call life. And it's like, you, you shouldn't be upset with like your, your day to day environment. Right. Right. Yeah. So sorry. Once a tangent over there, but <laughs> no, no, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I it's, to... it's important because a lot of people, you know, go through life, not liking what they do, but you know, it pays well that the benefits are good. And I think, the least, the least that you can do for yourself in that situation, if, if, you know, little 22 year old me were to offer some advice to, to probably people who are listening, who have much more figured out than I do. For me, it's like, you can do both. You can do something that makes you miserable because you need to do it for the pay or you've got medical bills or, you know, the benefits are too good to pass up, but find something also that's going to make you happy. Because like you said, we get one shot. We're here for a very yeah. limited amount of time and how you spend it is really important. And if you're spending it being miserable, then you got to switch something up. You can't be in that for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's where self-awareness comes into play. And kind of going back to your question, actually, I, I think this is a perfect transition into, you know, for me, it's, it's a very specific scenario growing up in Costa Rica. It's a country that is very, um, I think it just, gives you this appreciation for, for life and nature and, you know, the the daily beautiful environments that you're surrounded with. And, um, and funny enough, it, it, it took me leaving 
to be able to to perceive that right um there's a saying that i, I love which is there's no there's no perspective without distance um and kind of having a little bit of that distance definitely helps sometimes and and it helped me as a person become more self-aware of what i deemed important in life um and you know it's something i try to incorporate in a, on a on a daily basis which is right. hey let's this is this is who i am and this is what makes me happy and i i want to work my ass off and want to you know make sure that we build something that is special and it's memorable and people get a great experience with a great product um but at the end of the day you know there's also a lot of a a lot of take take a step back and and look at what what's happening because life goes right yeah exactly and so you kind of did that like almost to a T you, you came from Costa Rica, which I visited. It is probably the most beautiful place that I've ever seen. And, you know, anywhere that I've been, it is absolutely gorgeous. And you're surrounded by all that beauty, but you took a step back and you made a change and you, you came here for a reason. And, and I want to know why, what inspired you to be here to start this company and to be who you are now, instead of just staying where you were. Totally. No. And, 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 to be to be completely honest, there's been a lot of like switches in my, or there were a lot of switches, especially during my college time and, and even before that. My original plan was I was looking at potentially going to Argentina or Spain. I I I, I was going to a Costa Rican high school and then I switched to a, an international high school within Costa Rica to kind of broaden my horizons a little bit. This was a, a conscious decision I made back when I was I think I was 16, 17 at the time. Um, so I did the international baccalaureate, which is a, a program, you know, for, for high school students. And, and they focus a lot on like kind of seeing life as a, as a global citizen type of thing. Um, and there's actually a, a fair of, of California schools that came to, to my school at the time. And they were just chatting wonders about California. They're, you know, pitching like, Hey, uh, California is basically like, if you have Costa Rica in the U S and they had a baby, that's what California is. You have like the best of both worlds. And, <laughs> uh, that was very appealing at the time. And, and, and to be completely honest, I, I grew up obsessed with the show rocket power. Uh, <laughs> and that played a, a huge role in, in, in it. And the more I looked into like the schools and everything, and, you know, I, I realized like the, the, the prize was was very high, but if I was able to get a scholarship and make it work, then then, then thankfully I, I I was able to do that and, and come over here. Um, it was it was curiosity, man. It was curiosity of understanding a different a different world and 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 something like the U.S. and, and California specifically. There's something magical about this place. Uh, that draws people from all over the world, right? You're like you have like all the screw loose loose screws from all over the world end up here, and I include <laughs> yep. myself in that. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, and it's a, it's what makes it a wonderful place, man. It is, uh, it it is a wonderful place, and I think something that you said that that strikes me a lot that I I have such an issue with with certain parents who I'm not going to name. I don't think my parents ever told me this, but I know a lot of parents who teach their children curiosity killed the cat when they're, when they're younger. And it's this phrase that like we grow up with and you just get used to. And parents probably say it because, you know, their two-year-old or five-year-old is getting into stuff that they shouldn't be in the house and they're being, you know, they're wrecking things, but telling a child and, and kind of, you know, subconsciously influencing this kid that like, you shouldn't be curious about things, even if that's not really what they want to do, like for the rest of their life. Like you're not trying to tell a kid, like never be curious, but in that moment, like growing up with that, 
and trying to kill that curiosity because it's hard, I think that can that can ruin your life. And that's, I think, probably also, you know, a minor reason, but maybe one of the reasons why people end up in dead end jobs and they're yeah. miserable, but they don't know that they can go look for something else that's going to make them happy. That's kind of like a taboo. And so I see you as kind of like the opposite of that. You're like, no, curiosity made the cat very happy. Curiosity made the cat very happy. No, I, I think you're, you're, you're hitting something that is a societal pro- problem. And I think it is a societal pro- pro- problem at a global scale, just because it's not something that you see just here in the U.S. You see it all over the world and, you know, some cultures more than other. But um, I think the only thing I'll add to that is like it's 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 weird that we are completely wired as society to like frown upon mistakes and failures. Like we spend so much time, like even think about like growing up, I think you you mentioned with the kids and everything, but it's always like, Hey, don't make mistakes. Like just careful, careful. Don't, don't risk failing. Like that is such a, and and I want to, can I swear on this? (laughs) You can swear. Go ahead. It's such a fucked up system that that goes (laughs) into, into, into place because you're, you're literally forcing people to, to, to um to basically not experience what what failure is and at the end of the day being able to fail teaches you where you went wrong and teaches you you're going to be you're going to be faced with very similar situations all throughout your life right so certain scenarios change but at the end of the day the essence of a lot of situations are very similar um and that that constant failure whether it's at a business level or a personal level or even like sports level whatever it is that's what teaches you um and for some reason, we, we try to educate kids and, and, and society as a whole, like, hey, stay away from mistakes. What? <laughs> Why? Right? Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And I feel like we're in the same vein here of, you know, we've had in this country and, and many other countries, a long history of entrepreneurship. And especially in this country, this is like the entrepreneurship country. And I think that, you know, what's what's starting to change with people like Gary Vee you know, who are influencing people, they're starting to say, like, you don't have to do everything the way that everybody else has always done it. You don't have to do it the way that your great grandfather did your grandfather, your dad, you don't need to. And so I think that's within the same vein, because, you know, a lot of kids, especially in this country, and and I know in other countries as well, are told from a very young age, this is what you should do. This is how you get there. Stick to the plan. And any deviation, any failure, you know, of sticking to that plan is is seen as really negative. But some of the most successful people that we have out of this country, out of other countries, didn't stick to the plan. So, you know, for you, what do you think like that means for you growing up? Like, like were you influenced to stick to a plan and you broke it or, or were you kind of on the track? Um, well, I'm, I think I, I was lucky in the sense that my parents were always very, um, understanding you know of doing crazy things or just trying a bunch <laughs> of sports and and whatnot i i um i'm a first generation student uh, graduate too you know i was the first one in my family to to graduate from from college um and you know i'm super thankful for for that opportunity because obviously I, I learned a lot um more outside the classroom than inside but at, you know at the end of the day i think that's that's what college is it's a it's an opportunity to grow as a person and as a um, it's kind of building relationships and, and, you know, unless you're in a super technical degree type of thing at the end of the day, everything you can learn, you can learn now learn on, on 
Google, right? So it's like right. what you're really getting out of an education is just that experience of meeting people and kind of building certain experiences and whatnot. Um, so for me growing up, it, it was it was interesting seeing just how um, other families did it, I think. Um, you know, just seeing how how everyone had like different paths or whatever, and 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 kind of knowing that. And my dad, my dad is also an entrepreneur. You know, he he started a started a company, uh, a nougat company in Costa Rica, really? uh, very early, very early on with his with his family. You know, he was seventeen years old, and 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 that was out of necessity. necessity. Um, right. So that that I think really inspired me to from from a very early age to to know that it takes work to get to, to certain places. Um, and you know, my mom, she is nothing but love. Uh, she's a little bit more cautious when it comes to, to life and, you know, Hey, you sure you want to do this or whatever. Um, but when I, when I told them I wanted to leave the country and go experience something else, you know, at the end of the day, both, both of them were like, okay, whatever, whatever you want to do, take the risk, go, go after it. Uh, as long as you can, you can, sustain the work and actually do it go for it and by all means experience it grow um so i was i, I was definitely privileged privileged in, in that sense that that both of my parents um were very very understanding they were divorced but at this at the same time you know great relationship and, and always there and, and very present so um yeah. nothing but love for them that's awesome yeah i think you know supportive parents go a long way and i think some people have them, some people don't. Um, but I think on the whole, you know, it really comes down to determination and persistence. And a lot of your story also has to deal with persistence. You spent four or five months trying to convince people to try your tequila. What in, in you says that, you know, I need to be persistent. I need to, to never give up on this. And, you know, what did it feel like after getting rejection after rejection after rejection? it's, I think it's been a result of, of, of my life experiences too, man. It's, it's every time I'm about to give up on something or whatever it is, like I said, my mind too, like right before I don't give up, something happens where it goes in, in a certain place. And, you know, I've, I've said this in, in certain conversations sometimes, and I hate the term self-made entrepreneur. I hate that. <laughs> it's like, who, who, who have you scene that is a self-made entrepreneur no one it always takes at least one or two people that believe in you in some shape or form whether it's the people your investors whether it's the people that buy your product whether it's the people that first gave you an opportunity to go play something yeah it takes work you need to go over there and be and be nagging and be persistent and not be scared to put yourself out there and, and there's nothing worse than cold calling when you when you're first starting uh, that's like some of the you know biggest learning things uh, you can go through, and that, that that's something I recommend everyone to go through. Like cold calling is such a such a cool uh, learning experience. But at the end of the day, you know, even the person on the other side of the phone that's going to pick up and say like, "Hey, yeah, come try it." That person changed your 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 trajectory, right? It's it's like the the person that actually gives you uh, the opportunity to go, and and I I think that's what you know has made humanity as a whole kind of get to the point where we are it's it's the human interaction the back and forth and being able to talk and being able to build community um ergo the name of the of the brand is nosotros you know at the end of the day it's all about us people coming together uh nosotros means us in spanish <laughs> right in yep. for, if anyone's listening for our non uh, bilingual yeah. <laughs> listeners <laughs> um but um 
but yeah, I, I, you know, I think, I think the whole premise behind, behind giving up, it's, it's like, there's, there's someone that's going to sooner or later believe in you. Uh, you just need to find them. Yeah. I think that's huge. You know, support from a lot of people is, is really why people become successful. And I think, you know, people point to really, really successful people are the most successful people like Jeff Bezos. And they're like, he did it all himself. And then you actually look into his story and you're like, well, he did a lot of it himself, but there's people that were crucial along the way that gave him a chance or that supported him when nobody else would. And that's 100% how he 100%. got to where he is today. Yeah. That and your, and your team and your team plays a huge role in it. You know, I, that, that we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Michael and PJ and Ryan and, and Kiana, like everyone, I could name everyone on the team that, that has played a, a role in this and, uh, every little grain of salt that goes into the pile, you know, changes, like goes a long way. It's, um, it's like, it's like compound interest. Right. Yeah, exactly. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit every day. It goes a long way, man. And when you have it from multiple directions, it, it changes, sure. changes things. Now being a business owner and an entrepreneur, and, and we were talking about failure a little bit earlier, You've also gone through some failures with Nosotros in the beginning, and, and I'm sure on a regular basis, just like most businesses do. Talk to me about how you and your team, which, which are a very tight-knit group, how you guys handle failure and how you move on from that. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, we fail a lot. We fail a lot. You know, We've gone through a lot of tests in every aspect of, 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 of the brand, whether it be of the company, whether it be on the, on the brand side, whether it be on the sales side, whether it be on the logistics side, um, trying new, new things, presentations, whatever. Um, I think the, the main, one of the main, eh, I, I'm kind of going back and forth a little bit on this one, just cause it's, I was going to say one of the main things that we've been able to do very well is, is being able to cut, uh, cut something when it's not working type of thing. Sure. And not, you know, not, not, not try to go into after a sunk cost type of environment. Um, but it is, it is interesting seeing sometimes how that plays out. And, and, and again, going back to the whole idea of failure and learning from something, because if, if, if we see that it's not working, we're nimble and we're small enough that in the sense that we can cut something and just start from, from zero. Right. And right. as long as that transition doesn't, it's not too crazy. It's not too difficult. Um, it's doable in, you know, early, early in the, in the company's life, life, we did a lot of that. I think now at this point, you know, we're, we're, we're a lot more established and a lot more of a, um, I think our brand identity is very specific into, into how we do things and after what we go in terms of clients and the partnerships that we develop. Um, but early on, it, it, it was just going through a lot of, you know, repetition, testing, seeing what happens. Sure. Uh, pretty much a scientific method in the sense of, you know, you build a hypothesis, this yep. is going to work. You go and test it. If it doesn't work, then what do we do? If it works, we keep going with it, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. So, a huge part of what you do, and, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, is you have to have to, to, in order to be a real tequila, you have to have part of the process done in tequila, Mexico. So talk to me about you as, as a young entrepreneur getting on a plane, flying to Mexico, <laughs> and, and actually finding your supplier of, it's agave, right? That goes into the tequila? 
Yeah, so there are multiple, you know, there are multiple parts that goes into the process of, of making tequila. Tequila has an appellation of origin, as I mentioned, I think earlier. Um, the, what that means is that in order to be called tequila, uh, there are certain states within Mexico where you're allowed to to produce tequila. Uh, same with mezcal, there is a different a different um, range of states that you can work with. Um, and then in tequila, there's like, you know, you have mixtos, which is people that do 51% agave and the rest is who knows whatever neutral grain spirit they're using or whatever. Those <laughs> tend to be the, the lower quality ones, which, yep. you know, it, it kind of, I'd, I'd recommend people stay away from those. Yep. Um, and then you have the hundred percent agave, uh, which is, you know, kind of doing it a little bit more in the traditional way. Um, but anyway, so going back to your, to your question, um, it's, I think it, it was definitely a benefit that my first language is Spanish, obviously that kind of establishing that. Um, I think being in the 21st century and being able to do Google searches and actually see, you know, what the factories are and like the different people that are working over there and like kind of do preemptive calls before going down there and, and just, you know, trying to establish a, a bit of a, a bit of rapport with, with the people as I was kind of trying to gauge the, the meetings and everything that, that, that was huge. Um, but there are many, many parts that go into it. And I think that was, um, that was again, trial and error, which is, you know, you're, you're dealing with a, a network of farmers from, and in our case with the Sotos, what we do is that we do a blend of agaves from two different regions. Uh, we harvest agaves from up in the highlands and, and down in the lowlands, the highlands tend to be a little bit sweeter and more citrusy, uh, lowlands a little bit more peppery and earthy. And, you know, we combine those and create a very, very balanced flavor that kind of has a little bit of both. Um, that's what makes Nosotros really special. Um, and, um, kind of navigating through those environments where, you know, you're dealing with farmers from, from both regions, you're dealing with the suppliers that make the boxes, you're dealing with the suppliers who make the corks and the suppliers who make the bottles, the suppliers who make the little uh, security seal that goes into the bottle. Uh, then you got to send everything to, to uh, one place where everything gets put together. You know, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. easy to get, it's easy to get flustered in the middle of it. Yeah, and and I I will say definitely it, it gets easier with time for anyone that's kind of going over that that uh, experience of just kind of navigating how to how to put things together. Um, it's it gets easier with time. I think like you know the the more you go the more you do it, it's easy to categorize things into into easier groups. Sure, um, not sure yeah. if that makes any sense, but I think that's definitely been the experience. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's. I think when you first enter an industry too, especially something as complicated as manufacturing alcohol, it's it's going to be a lot. Um, but I think it kind of speaks to you and your fortitude that you've been able to create this brand basically out of thin air. You know, you know, a couple of years ago when you were still in college, I think that's huge. Um, so you guys are doing really well right now, uh, as you you know kind of stated. You guys did really really well, and and you know that kind of saved your company in terms of that, um, you know, taste test, you guys got double gold. So you guys are, are exploding. Did you ever think that you would be where you are now where you're opening in different states like Nevada? Like, you know, did you ever see yourself being in this position? Well, I think that that's, there's always been the goal of, of creating something that, that, that lasts, right? We've, uh, since the start, the premise was always, always like, let's create a company that like, if it's going to last forever and, and having that North 
made us very, very cognizant of our environment, of what we were doing with our money. You know, we've, we've always been very frugal with our expenditures and we operated as a percentage of revenue, which allowed us to stay very, very on, on budget month over month. Because um, at first it's just you're playing a survival game, right? Um, especially in our industry, it, it's, it's, it's what it is. Um, the last couple of months, you know, that, that the last few months, I'd say the last year as a whole, you know, it's been a, a, a bunch of different combinations of things that so our category, thankfully continues to grow. People, um, are understanding a little bit more that the tequila and mezcal environment too is, is, is very, very big and you have a lot of selections and there's a lot of craft players and there's a lot of corporate players and, and, and thankfully, you know, very similar to the, to the, a bit of the frenzy that happened with craft beer, um, you know, a few years back, I think that's what we've been seeing in the spirit world and, and more and more people are focusing and transitioning into non-corporate brands, into more seasonal brands, into brands that um, might have a little bit less of a, you know, a, of a corporate perception type of thing and just try different flavors and different, different profiles. Um, so that's definitely been, been um, a little bit of a, um, of uh, a, a positive for us sure um but to to kind of go after your question i i I'm, i think at, at the end of the day it's it's it wasn't quite envisioned that we were going to grow this fast uh but it's we've definitely uh prepped for it if that makes sense sure um just because it's you know, being careful and kind of navigating things. And, and as it goes, we, we've been able to operate very, very quickly and swiftly right. uh, into how things have, have happened. And obviously with, with the, the current situation with COVID and everything, it, it, there's been a, a change in, in the consumer demographic too. They've kind of switched a little bit more to more premium products, given that they're not spending that much in bars and restaurants. And, right. you know, they go to retail and they find, they, they're trying to, they're trying to venture out there and try different things. Uh, so that's, that's been a positive for us. Yeah, that's awesome. Now I have a little bit of a tough question for you. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but <laughs> you talk about yeah, let's do it. You talk about building a company that will last, and a company that that from the start was built to last a very long time and be successful. Could your company right now survive without you leading it? Um. It's a good question. Um, yes, I think I think it could it could it could survive. It would take some some changing, obviously some some adapting. Uh, I'm not saying it would it wouldn't take a hit, uh, but I think we've gotten really good at at the team that we've built, and and um, you know we all have our positions and whatnot. But at, at the end of the day, there's there's so much interlinking into what we do on a daily basis and 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 how we do it, and. You know, Mike, my my um, co-founder, he he's the CFO of the company. He handles a lot of the finance and the day-to-day stuff, and you know, building Excel models and everything. But at the same time, he's in in, in many of our marketing meetings. And uh, when we go to Mexico, you know, B comes by, and like he understands how the the the, the system goes. And right. uh, same with DJ, who handles all of our sales. Like you know, he he understands a lot of that. Um, I think the relationship with with uh, with everyone in Mexico would be a little bit tougher of a transition sure. um but it is is i think we've done a good job of of making sure that everyone regardless of what position they have understands the the, the totality of the business um sure you know I, I i think there's a there's a term in biology biology called uh, emergent properties uh which is like when you have you know multiple um multiple single assets they 
have their own properties, but when you combine them as a whole, there's emerging properties that otherwise wouldn't come. And I think that's that's definitely what we've done at Nosotros. Um, at the end of the day, it's it's a it's a living and breathing organism. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree. And you know, in asking that question, I must also admit I was talking to a member of your team the other day to help set up this interview, and for the first like hour that I was talking to this guy. I thought that he was the founder because <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh yeah. Like I completely blanked on his name. I was like, this is probably Carlos. And he's talking about this company. Like it's his own and like, like this is his ownership and this is his company that he's helped to found and look how well we're doing. And just so inspired by what he's been able to accomplish with the company that at a certain point he was like, and yeah, that's why I think, you know, you should have Carlos on your show. And I was like, wait a minute, this isn't Carlos. So, you know, it, it's a little I embarrassing for I me. I love hearing that, man. I love hearing that. I'm that's- supposed to be the guy that's on top of everybody and, and knows all the names and bringing people on the show. But to me, that speaks, you know, volumes about your organization, because a huge issue that a lot of people have at a lot of companies, especially when they're larger or especially when they're smaller in terms of revenue, is it is hard to get the people as excited that are working for you as you are about your own company. But here is this company that you have helped to create and that you founded and and was on a whim and something that you're like, you know what, I think that this might work. And the guy just talking about his role in the company convinced me without even trying that he was the founder. And I, so I think, that was huge, you know, big round of applause for you guys, because that to me is like the mark of a true company that people are excited about. They love to go to work and they love the environment that they're in. I love I love hearing that, man. I, I'm a true believer that culture trumps strategy every time, every single time. Uh, and I think that's been a that's been a, a, the very, very backbone of our company. That's been an ethos that, you know, I, I, I can't tell you if it's scalable. Maybe we can talk in 10 years and see how we did with it. Um, I will have you back on in 10 <laughs> years, at least to talk about yeah. where you guys have gone. But so far it's worked. And then, and, and, and it's not a, it's not a fad by any means, you know, it's, it's finding people that, that kind of have that, that mentality of, of working hard, playing hard, kind of go every day uh, and put your best out there, but to have fun and, and enjoy the environment that you're in, right? Um, I, I think that that plays a plays a big role. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how could it not play a big role? You have people within your organization, you've built this team, and they are unbelievably passionate about this project to the point where I kind of see them all as founders. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're 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 yeah. repping your brand and and they really it- help to get you where you are today. Not to say that your initial risk and, and your initial investment, that that is really truly like the cornerstone of, of all of these businesses. But we also talk about the effect that other people have had on it and you know how much it says about your company that these people are that passionate about their job. They enjoy it. They definitely it's see it as a family a huge, and it's their life. Yeah, a huge part of it too is, is, is just, we don't give that many instructions. Uh, I think, you know, when we talked about entrepreneurship, it's like you can totally be an entrepreneur within a, within a company and kind of develop your own environments. And 
you know, we have weekly meetings where we kind of touch, but at the end of the day, everyone kind of has their own division where they're kind of going out there, whether it's on the sales front, you're developing whatever tactics you're going to have. You're going to have your set of a, a partners that you work with and that you foster those relationships and, and build whatever image the rest of the people are going to have on the sotos, whether it's on the marketing side, you know, you can develop whatever strategy or planning you have, whether it's on the retail side and you're going out there and seeing like, hey, how can we position something where it just looks different? How can we do things different? Like, I think I think being able to 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 delegate like that and and, and that was arguably the hardest part at first as, as we grew for me going from that standpoint where, you know, you're doing everything, everything, everything. And then suddenly you start delegating things, um, takes a mental switch and, and it's not an easy thing, but, um, but I think everyone that has come on board into the team has, has taken it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's awesome. I have one final question for you. It's another stump question. I'm sorry. I, I got to <laughs> do it. You're just, you're doing too it. well. You're doing too well. <laughs> My final question for you is, if you weren't doing Nosotros Tequila, what would you be doing and where would you be? Who? Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I've, I've thought about it a couple of times. I have a big passion in, 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 in soccer specifically growing up in Costa Rica. You know, maybe I love seeing the, how the sport has grown here in the U.S. and, and it continues to become, a, a, I think the U.S. is going to be one of the larger uh, one of the biggest, you know, behemoths of, of soccer in the next 10 years, just based on the change that has happened in culture and, and, um, and player development, maybe something in there. Um, I don't know, at some point, at some point, I've always thought about to going back to Costa Rica and, and, and doing something in terms of, uh, um, I don't want to say politician, like politics or something like that, but I, I get involved in some degree and kind of help um, the country become a little bit more, um, um, like market friendly, I think is the, is the word. Sure. Um, you know, it's a country that has a lot, a lot to offer and um, there's a lot that hasn't been um, maximized and presented correctly. Right. Um, so we'll see, maybe that's down the road. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I, I, I honestly don't know, man. I, I have no idea what, what other journey no plan I would have <laughs> ended up. I, I can't tell you the answer to that. That's good. You have yeah. no plan B and, and, you know, you're put on the spot and, and you really don't, this is, this is what you've dedicated your life to. And man, I wish you the best of luck. You're, you're killing it right now. You're doing great. And uh, all I need to do now is get my hands on a bottle. I need uh, we'll to, take, I need to we'll try take it out. Care of that. We'll take care of that. No problem on that one. <laughs> that would be awesome. Hey, Carlos, thank you so much for coming on the show. Carlos Soto, founder of Nosotros Tequila. Good luck, my friend. I will have you back on. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you, man. Absolutely. All right. And that is going to do it for our show this week. Big thanks to Carlos Soto and Nosotros Tequila. Absolutely fantastic brand. I cannot wait to try it. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you're a first time listener, you can listen to all of our episodes on pretty much any music or podcast streaming service. That's Google, Apple. We're also on Spotify and about eight other ones that I'm not going to mention. If you also want to check out all of them in one place with much more information, you can go to our website, www.totspodcast.com. We post every single Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I hope to see you next week, and I'll see you next time.